Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. And with me today, I am super excited to be digging into uh, the world of international e-commerce with the co-founder and CEO of Flavor Cloud, Ratna Sharad. Ratna, welcome. Uh, thank you, Santosh. It's, it's uh, fabulous to be on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm really excited to talk about this um, uh, need an opportunity in regards to international e-commerce, but would love to kind of dig into your uh, background because you have a mix of software and supply chain expertise coming in, and then you know talk about how you you discovered this big opportunity in and around e-commerce logistics. Yeah, I think um, a big part of you know why do you get involved in something as crazy as worldwide shipping is, is really because of my journey. Uh, so I started, so I'm a computer science engineer. I started as a developer in the transportation and logistics industry. Um, so I started working for carriers, folders, and third-party logistics providers, um, building out uh, cross-border solutions. Um, so I got to work on um, super interesting route optimization and um, supply chain optimization problems across trucking, air, ocean, um, I also got to work with customs organizations around the world. Um, so think EDI, old school, um, you know, integrations for freight as well as um, B2C. Um, and one of those companies was bought by UPS, so a couple years there. And um, also worked on DHL across North America and um, Europe and Asia. So um, I just became really fascinated by the space um, and what it represented. But um, then I moved to a completely different um, space, which was online advertising. So I moved uh, from Portland, Oregon to Seattle and started at um, Microsoft in a, a tiny little startup-like team within Microsoft called Bing Ads. There, um, I got to see how... Um, the really big uh, retailers, so Amazon, eBay, all the way down to SMB, were finding consumers through ads. Um, and really fascinated by the international aspect of that. Um, but in all of this, um, you know, I've lived in three different continents. I shop a lot. Um, so um, my own personal experience actually purchasing from international retailers was so horrendous that it got me thinking about why my past life did not translate to a great um, B2C consumer experience. And I could see that that was um, essentially the future. Um, and so that's how I got um, the idea for uh, my first um, iteration, if you will, uh, which was a marketplace called Runway to Street. Um, and I started that um, company with my co-founder, who used to be my developer at Bing Ads, Sherman Soft. 
Yep. Um, and what, what we did um, was we enabled small and medium brands sell internationally um, through the marketplace. And we had uh, over 300 brands across 100 different countries selling to consumers in 200. Um, and we developed um, this Anywhere to Anywhere backend, uh, which is Flavor Club today, um, for our own marketplace. And um, we had to do that because um, the problems were um, insurmountable for the retailers um, and also no solution existed that made it really easy for the consumer as well as the retailer. Um, so that's how um, we found um, that it was the biggest value add we provided these small medium uh, businesses, but also we started getting requests from larger brands who did not want to be part of the marketplace but wanted to leverage our logistics solution. Sure. And, and uh, Labor Cloud is one. So to kind of unpack the cross-border opportunity, um, I think uh, r- roughly uh, one in three, so almost a third of all purchases are cross-border these days, and uh, that's yep. grown quite quickly. H- how big is this market yep. we're talking about in, in cross-border e-commerce? So if you look at, um, and, and, you know, it has grown significantly in the last um, you know, five years, we've seen it grow from, you know, less than 10% to the third that it is today. But um, if you look at the numbers, um, just e-commerce um, in 2021 is supposed to be $4.8 trillion, right, yeah. in terms of sales. And at 30% of that, if you say one in three purchases are cross-border, mm-hmm. and it's actually, um, you know, it, it's increasing um, basically twice as fast as regular e-commerce. And um, if you look at that number, that's over $1.5 trillion. Yep. And 60% of that is fashion, beauty, and accessory space. Wow. And you have a lot of other areas like um, electronics, food, and home as well that are starting to come uh, into this segment. But if you look at our addressable market today, we look at it as 300 um, billion opportunity um, with a 25% penetration for us. Got it. And when you're talking about the status quo and, and what you discovered at, at Runway to Street, help our listeners understand mm-hmm. what, what are the current challenges when it comes to fulfilling cross-border? How does that translate to the consumer experience? What's happening nitty gritty yeah. wise that that just frankly sucks? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, I think it's useful to just look at it um, from an end consumer experience. So let's say there's a, a consumer um, from Singapore that goes to a U.S. retailer's website, and um, you know the first challenge is that let's say she has a pair of shoes, it's two hundred dollars in the shopping cart. Um, the first issue is um, that shipping costs are exorbitant. Um, and so think um, $60 shipping, um, and that's where you see drop-offs um, as, as high as 60% because your shipping rates are not great. Um, and the second thing for consumers is that they don't really have enough tracking in, um, information. They don't have enough information about 
what the duties, taxes, and landed costs are going to be. Mm-hmm. So what often, often happens is, let's say that she really loves the pair of shoes and decides to pay the $60 for in shipping and, and purchases it. Um, it typically takes weeks or maybe months because it's stuck in customs. And finally, when she receives it, she gets an additional bill of, let's say, 20% of that. In, so that's $40 in um, in duties and taxes. Yeah. Right. And so at this point, the customer is livid. Um, it was delayed, um, and she's paying more uh, for the product. And oftentimes, they end up rejecting the package. So that means now the retailer is putting the bill to return that package back um, with an additional sixty dollars. Typically, returns are even harder. Um, so the the retailer is making the call as to whether they need to uh, abandon the package or really bring it back to their warehouse. Got it. So and in terms of acquisition, your customer acquisition costs are uh, you know basically your unit economics are shot as a retailer. Yep. And also uh, the customer is not going to come back and purchase. Sure. So not only is it uh, that the the customer is paying a lot for this specific product, but they're footing the bill for super expensive shipping. On top of that, they get surprised and and nobody likes uh, surprises, especially if you have to pay more money. And on top of it, if there's a return, uh, while the consumer doesn't see it, the the e-commerce company or retailer ends up footing the bill. And and that's where it gets your your economics sideways, to your point. Yeah. And the hidden component there is compliance. So every single so trade and tariff regulations vary by country, right? Mm-hmm. So there are specific requirements in terms of how um, the, the goods are presented to customs organizations around the world. And that was the reason for uh, customs holding it for that extended period of time. And um, through all this, uh, Flavor Cloud has built quite an elegant solution. And I, I've heard you describe it previously is, you know, cheaper, faster, friction-free. But, you know, uh, help us understand kind of what you've built and how that in turn, you know, proves to provide a better experience for the consumer as well as the retailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we make international shipping easy, affordable, and friction-free anywhere to anywhere. That means shipping and returns are um, seamless for the retailer, but also the end consumer. And we do that by solving these three core areas, which is shipping, customs, and compliance. Um, and, and going back to that um, customer example, let's say Flavor Cloud um, service was um, installed, and we uh, connect to shopping carts of retailers. So think of us as like Stripe for international shipping. Um, so at the checkout, the consumer is going to see incredibly affordable shipping rates. So instead of the $60, she sees $15 express shipping, $10 standard shipping. Um, she has complete information about the landed cost. She also has information about um, it taking, you know, express shipping. You can get it in one to three days. You can get standard shipping um, within uh, six to 14 business days. And 
so she makes that choice. And um, once she makes the purchase, we actually are responsible for generating all of the customs paperwork, the documents and everything else, and expedite it all the way through customs clearance and delivery. So it very much feels like um, an, in our, in our, a domestic order, um, even though it's international. In on the logistics piece of it, you know th- that's that's complex, right? Because depending on the country, you have mm-hmm. different local networks, and then you're likely um, using uh, uh, ocean freight, or, or depending on the timeliness or, or nature of the product, air freight. H- how are you yeah. enabling all this? Yeah, so uh, great question. I mean, the, the biggest. Um, uh, aspect when I said, you know, we make shipping easy. Um, that's because we have the largest um, cross-border e-commerce network of carriers. Um, and that means we have integrations with every single major carrier, regional carrier, consolidator, um, and we optimize at the route level. So if that uh, consumer enters an address um, at checkout, we are able to figure out um, algorithmically the best option. So we look at cheapest, fastest, most efficient way to move product from country A to B, taking into consideration historical performance. And we optimize that at two levels. One is for the route. Um, so it's for route for that specific product. But also we optimize it based on that retailer. Um, so it's... Because we have these relationships and have created this network and we've honed these um, across every single country's rules and regulations um, and did that over four and a half years. And on the uh, customs duty side of things, um, you mm-hmm. also, I would presume, have a, a pretty up-to-date engine so you're able to provide that cost transparency to consumers yes, that's that... The, the, yeah, that, that's the uh, customs and compliance aspect. But but yes, essentially what we do is our customs engine real-time is figuring out um, based on the items on, in the shopping cart what the guaranteed landed costs are. Um, we also have compliance checks um, for certain commodities. So for example... There are restrictions in shipping certain types of products into a country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's checking in terms of that. Or you might be bringing, um, for example, snakeskin shoes into a country and that needs, um, you know, um, a, a CITES certificate. And so those additional types of documentation is something that we handle and automate so that the retailer really doesn't need to understand the complexity of international trade. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really um, automated for them because we take standard characteristics of the product that they already have um, in their platform and, and classify these products into commodity codes understood by trade. But we also calculate landed costs and apply um, up-to-date tariff restrictions um, so we guarantee that this is the cost that they will, uh, this is the tariff um, that is calculated and that is guaranteed. Um, and we take care of everything else downstream. Got it. So it sounds like this proves to uh, allow and empower a very elegant consumer experience 
Uh, things are uh, much less expensive. They're transparent around costs. How does Flavor yeah. Cloud make money? Because I think unlike Stripe, as a consumer, I actually don't pay for this benefit, right? The the uh, e-commerce company does. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So um, our pricing model is that we um, we are extremely retailer friendly. So we think about unit economics for the retailer. Um, we charge them a commission based on uh, for every shipment that moves through Flavor Cloud, and. Um, they make up more than our commission just in terms of shipping cost savings alone and, and brokerage cost savings. Um, and so it's, um, it, and we include returns handling in that. So, um, our, um, so we charge the retailer for, um, our commission. We pass on the savings from shipping to the retailer. That's what they just display in the checkout and it's paid by the consumer. Um, or they can choose to offer free shipping or discounted shipping, which we're starting to see a lot of. Um, and then the third thing is the landed cost. Um, they have different options. They can choose to um, show an estimate and have the customer pay, or um, you know they can also um, ha- collect that directly from the customer upfront. And we would collect that from the retailer and pay it to local customs organizations on their behalf. Got it. So this feels like a major opportunity, especially as we continue to buy more online. We're starting to buy more across borders at an increasing rate. Why haven't Mm -hmm. large outfits paid attention to it? What's going on at the likes of DHL or, or UPS where... They're not providing this type of enablement. And does this have actually pretty major (laughs) impacts to to e-commerce companies? Because you, in effect, can handle their logistics. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, um, You look at the logistics industry and and you look at some of the big players. And these are very antiquated, um, you know, technology systems. They're very um, distributed in terms of how they operate. So, for example, even within um, a specific carrier, the UK um, team is completely different from China, which is completely different from um, India, right? So um, there is fragmentation that is organizational. It's, um, it's multi-layered in terms of technology fragmentation. And then a large part of international is also manual. So think, um, you know, these large books where you look up a harmonized code and trade regulations and, and um, you know, handing documentation to customs in different countries is still manual. Um, doing returns in most countries is very manual. So you're looking at this extremely fragmented, uh, antiquated, and manual world that we are automating. Um, you know, so anything that can be automated has been automated, um, and we continue to strive for that. Um, the other, um, you know, piece of this is um, cross border is huge, and and everybody realizes that, um, but the challenges are also huge with it. Um, and, um, you know, someone that's really small and nimble like us is able to really look at it, ground up as a logistics problem like we did, 
um, and really look at it in a different light. We look at it as an anywhere to anywhere ground up logistics problem um, to facilitate international trade. And with the uh, facilitation services software you provide, if I were to spin up uh, my own e-commerce shop, then I, I think I now have the ability to not necessarily worry about the logistics or, or be concerned that I don't have an understanding about international logistics because you've taken care of it. Is, is that a, a fair understanding? Are, are you seeing that trend where e-commerce companies can do what they do best and use a service like Flavor Cloud to enable their operations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, um, they can focus on what they do best, which is make great shoes or a great shampoo or whatever it is uh, that's, um, you know, the product. Um, and, um, and we've seen uh, pretty much across the entire stack, and we fit in the fulfillment stack. Um, but if you look at everything from um, platform, you know, whether you're, you're choosing, uh, it used to be that, uh, the barriers to entry were so high um, before, but now you have, um, you know, e-commerce platforms that you can leverage. Um, you have uh, different um, types of services that you can um, en- enable for, like, fulfillment or international or um, payment gateways or fraud checking, right? So none of that... Um, inherent capability can really be achieved uh, in-house um, and be cost-effective. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're a very large retailer with an incredibly large team um, and have the cogs to do that. Right, yeah, that's right, that's right. I think uh, this has been a very eye-opening episode for our listeners where uh, we oftentimes, you know, think about the the warehouse facilities or, or the new shiny robots that are uh, enabling uh, a lot of the e-commerce fulfillment operations. But just the simple um, connecting of the dots, getting the logistics networks optimized, getting the routing optimized, getting all the customs duties compliance all in line is oftentimes overlooked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, for yeah. our listeners, uh, next time you buy online, look for the Powered by Flavor Cloud. But uh, with that, uh, <laughs> really enjoyed this conversation here. Ratna, hope to have you on soon. Cheers. Thank you, Santosh. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.